0: This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on.
1: This is Sex and Science Hour. (laughs) We are on episode 15 and we welcome you to the show. Yeah absolutely. I'm Stephanie, you're Brian? Of course. And what else is there to say, really? I think we can just close out the show now.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, show's over. <laughs> we've, we've turned it into the Sex and Science Minute.
1: Yeah. We actually have a lot to talk Minute's about today. Done. Come
0: on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we actually have a lot to talk about today, including something that happened totally unexpectedly uh, last night. It was late at night. We had just finished a at-home yoga class. We did our downward dog and all that stuff. And we were browsing the internet, checking our email before we were about to go to bed. This is around 2 in the morning, right? Yeah. We're late night people we stay up pretty late so we were you know browsing the web at all hours of the night getting into god knows what kind of trouble uh and <laughs> suddenly <laughs> i observed a little pop-up in the top corner of my uh, chrome browser because i was on a chromebook and so i observed this little pop-up in the corner saying your extension crypto kit has been automatically removed
0: i think what, what happened first maybe was one of one of my listeners to sovereign tech tweeted at me and said hey What's going on with CryptoKit?
1: Yeah, and, and at like, the exact you, same time, yeah. you literally read off the tweet to me, and right before my eyes, CryptoKit was yoinked out of my
0: yeah, browser. It disappeared. <laughs>
1: Yeah, which was kind of scary at the at the time. We were like, "What the hell is going on here?"
0: Yeah, five minutes later, did the same thing to me on my Chromebook.
1: Yeah, so you weren't far behind uh, when it came to losing CryptoKit. Right, and of course, CryptoKit is a Bitcoin wallet. It's also more than that. It's um, it, it's, it's a great a-
0: PGP messaging service. Yeah, it's an extension for,
1: it's a Chrome extension Mm -hmm. and you can install it and you can get a Bitcoin wallet, which is secure. You can put a password on it, but it's right in your browser. So like when you go shopping online, if you want to buy something with Bitcoin and you have Bitcoins in your CryptoKit wallet, it will automatically detect Bitcoin addresses on the webpage that you're looking at. And you can just click a button to pay to one of those addresses and put in the amount and stuff instead of copying and pasting the address. Going to a different tab, logging in, messing with blockchain.info, and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a very smooth operation. Uh, it works really, really well, uh, and it had the mindset because ant-
1: Bitcoin isn't seamless enough, right? It's <laughs> it's not enough well, that we don't have to put in our credit card information. It,
0: one of the one of the main guys behind it, Anthony DiOrio, he said, "Look, this is how I like." to do my bitcoin business as yeah. i like to do my shopping and he made and that app came out in that way no passwords none of the crazy stuff just works and yeah it really does you did he, it's great work
1: yeah it's a cool app and, and i'm of course i was kidding about that comment yeah. but i really like CryptoKit. it actually helped me be a better tipper i think because it was easy i usually kept about eh, 10 bucks in there and i would tip people if i liked what they had on the internet and they had a bitcoin address in their Um, blog post or podcast or whatever. So it actually made me into a better person, Brian, (laughs) a better tipper. But CryptoKit was rather unceremoniously yanked out of people's browsers the other night. And at first there was no
0: explanation. No. Well, there was no warning given to the developers either.
1: So there was a lot of speculation that Google is pulling an Apple, basically, because Apple blocks Bitcoin apps from their iStore on, on your iPhone. So the you App Store. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't use iPhones, so I get confused with the I terminology. Everything's an <laughs> I this and I that. I'm losing my I mind, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Apple, you can't get Bitcoin apps in the App Store. and Except for the FIVA wallet. Well, the FIVA wallet gets around it by you join a co-op. Right. And then you can get enterprise software as part of the co-op, which we love. Fivo, we've talked about it before. Yeah, the C- the Cog co-op, which is the cycle of goodness or circle of goodness or something, right? Co-op, but um, so that's how to get a Bitcoin wallet on your iPhone. But this is a digression. We were afraid that Google was doing the same thing that Apple was doing—that they were just going to block Bitcoin apps for no reason. And you know, you could suspect that Google might do this because the reason that everybody believes that Apple blocks Bitcoin apps, they haven't actually explained it, but. People think it's because they want to create their own payment system or whatever, and they they want a cut of all the money that changes hands within their app ecosystem. And so if somebody can use Bitcoin, then they can't take a cut of their Bitcoin, so they don't want those apps on people's iPhones.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I think it makes sense for Apple to not take Bitcoin because they are the single largest holder of credit cards in the world wow uh, i mean this is just it's a fact that that they they hold the most amount of numbers of credit cards uh, out there because they've been in this business a lot longer than any of these other quote-unquote tech giants of getting their hands on that info thanks to itunes uh and other services that's a big target for somebody oh sure the big sure.
1: database of credit cards yeah. is
0: awfully centralized yeah fortunately apple is really good at security uh you know regardless of the nsa They do pretty ingenious security.
1: even eBay was hacked this week and there was the, you know, famous target theft. I mean, it's just becoming impossible to keep your information private nowadays. But anyway, I want to get back on track with this. Yeah, Apple is blocking Bitcoin apps probably because they want to keep, you know, protect their essentially monopoly on all these credit card numbers that they have and getting uh, a piece of the pie when somebody buys something in their Mm -hmm. ecosystem. But but Google also has its own payment system. You know, they've got Google Wallet and they process credit card information too. Right. And so one might expect that perhaps they would have the same motivation. Um, But apparently that wasn't the case. They claimed uh, the next day, um, today we woke up and we checked the news eagerly about CryptoKit. We woke up at noon and (laughs) and checked the news about CryptoKit. And uh, Google had actually come out with a statement about what happened regarding CryptoKit. And they said that, There was a malware clone of CryptoKit. This is what they claimed. I don't know if it's verified or whatever, but they said Mm. there was a malware clone of CryptoKit that was not actually CryptoKit. It had a lot of the same code, but it was designed to steal your Bitcoins, basically. It was designed to steal Bitcoin private keys. And of course, Bitcoin stealing malware is nothing new. We've seen millions of pieces of Bitcoin stealing malware come out. But apparently this was another one, and it was similar enough to CryptoKit so that Google apparently just pulled down both of them and then decided they were going to figure it out later as to which one was the real one or something
0: yeah something like that i don't know that they said they were ever going to bother figuring it out i mean certainly there was enough maybe there was enough of an uproar i don't know
1: they said we- it triggered some automatic system that pulled both of them down yeah right? and
0: that, yeah and that's what mike hearn said probably is what happened but there's a part of this that doesn't make sense okay because in the, again in the four bullet points of what they made look what they explained their explanation makes a ton of sense if you want to accept that that's fine go ahead accept it i relatively accept it but the problem that doesn't make sense is they said that they ripped it automatically to prevent malware from getting on a bunch of computers now this is very important especially considering chromebooks because chromebooks are you know google specifically bills them as the indestructible operating system so the thing is though is they said that they removed the extension but then the fourth bullet point that they mentioned is that there is no no data was removed and no like, data was removed from users computers. right now that's yeah. the way they said it and this is the problem is their statements were a little vague because how do you and, and no data was removed because you were able to recover your bitcoins, right? As soon as the
1: yeah, I when Chrome when CryptoKit came back and it came back as seamlessly as it went away, right? <laughs> my nine millibits that I had in there from months ago were still in there,
0: <laughs> right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Now maybe that's because of the way the extension's designed, they made sure that it's saved in a different folder or something like that. Um, either way, it, it's it's odd because for them to say that no data was removed but then yeah, they removed they, malware how
1: did they remove the extension without removing yeah because removing they didn't just take data. it off
0: the listing in the chrome web app store that's that's one thing if they did that no they physically removed it from chrome like if you had it on your that that was
1: yeah in fact away. i tried to I tried to go into CryptoKit after I saw this pop up saying it was automatically removed and it wasn't even showing up in my list of extensions. Now, apparently uh, Vitalik, who's one of the developers, I guess, for CryptoKit, was posting on Reddit saying that if you disconnect from the Internet, it will reappear and allow you to export a backup of your private key and then you could get your bitcoins that way by importing your private key into a different client a different bitcoin client
0: right but then see now that makes I get it but here's the problem is is that then did did they actually take away malware Like, okay, it wasn't isn't malware. But if the point was that they're taking away malware, did they actually take away malware? If you could disconnect from the Internet, go back on or, you know, and and then log in and get access to it. It's like, wait a minute. What exactly disappeared? What went away? How did this work? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm I'm totally confused
1: about what actually happened there.
0: And please, before somebody emails, I. I know how extensions get written and installed. It's, I, I get it, okay? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> but
1: right. I, I just saw this from the perspective of someone who's relatively non-technical when it comes to software, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it was kind of, um, it freaked me out. Oh, like, sure. I actually removed Bitcoins that I had on my Android phone right. from Mycelium wallet w- because I was afraid the same thing might potentially with, with happen Android? to Mycelium if, Goog- if Google was going kamikaze on all the Bitcoin apps. I was like, well, I don't want my you know, I had a backup of my private keys for my celium, but I was right. like, I'm a little uncomfortable with having these bitcoins, and I think I'm just going to move them to a another place. You yeah, know? I,
0: I say better safe than sorry. Um, Android is a bit of a different ballgame, though not so much. Ever since uh, KitKat, ever since version four four of Android, Google has really closed in on this open source operating system. And I want to raise a couple points about you know people saying, well, Google wouldn't do this, and, and Google explicitly said in their response to they what said they said, they're fans of crypto. They said they're fans. Well, they said they're fans of Bitcoin. not not. They of,
1: said some of them are users of CryptoKit. Yeah, and that they're fans of okay, Bitcoin. Okay, I don't remember that exactly, but I and remember they them saying... specifically said, that, we're not targeting Bitcoin apps.
0: They said they were enthusiasts. So anyway, the thing is, is that you have a few odd statements here. Okay, three issues. One is Kevin Rose, who works with Google Ventures, mm-hmm. said explicitly in the past on This Week in Tech, on the podcast This Week in Tech, he said that he didn't think, he said cryptocurrencies are the future, Bitcoin is not it. OK, here's a guy with a big voice uh, in, at Google, and he's saying Bitcoin is not part of the program. OK, uh, you also you have you have Google Wallet, which is a payment system that they take very seriously, that they're trying to compete with just about everybody else on that. And for people to think that for some reason, you know, Google would just be friendly to this uh, th- again. There's there's no reason. Because you can't tell me that if Google doesn't accept Bitcoin, people are going to stop using Google products.
1: Yeah, no way. They're kind of tied to it. No, yeah, they're they're going to use it no matter what all all the time. Um, And And it's not as if Google needs to accept Bitcoin. Yeah.
0: Right, right. And it's like, oh, well, it's great that some people at Google are Bitcoin enthusiasts. But there's also people apparently who are privacy enthusiasts at Google, but they're not doing anything about the NSA. really Mm. they're not they're not doing anything about Mm. the nsa yeah okay because you can implement end-to-end encryption right now totally legal and they refuse to they don't care so i I, you know but the scary thing is with this is that bitcoin or not the fact that google can just you know chrome be it a chromebook or without a chromebook the web browser is becoming the, the os for pretty much everybody anyway okay and so for Google to be able to just instantaneously without even warning the developers of an extension or an app can just rip that out and take it away that's yeah, terrifying that's a little you know, scary. It, it reminds me the, the absolute irony of when Amazon when the Kindle was out there they ran into a copyright issue with a couple of books you want to know what those two books were yeah Animal Farm in 1984 oh. <laughs> both by Orwell Big oh, Brother that's came ironic. right in and they ripped Because of the copyright issue, Amazon ripped those books right out of your Kindle. Wow. You had no say in the matter. You couldn't save it. Forget it. Game over, man. Dare I say that's Orwellian. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so for Google to be able to do this, look, I'm glad that they, maybe it's all true. And I hope it is. And I more or less think it is that this was just a, a, a screw up on Google's part. But the fact is they have that power. And that's scary. You know, that, that's really scary. N- never, I've been messing with computers since I was a baby. And I've never seen where someone could just whoosh, rip out some software on you. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that's it, the real terrifying. story in this yeah. whole debacle. Yeah, forget about Bitcoin and CryptoKit and all that stuff. The fact is, Google can just rip rip stuff right out. Yeah. And that, that's scary.
1: Well, why don't we lighten things up a little well, let's bit? Let's do it. I have kind of a, an amusing story. Um, so Peter Schiff has been, he's a... <laughs> what it, what would you call his job title? He's a, well, radio, he's a radio host, host uh, and he's a investor. He has an investment yeah. firm, Euro Pacific Group.
0: Right? Yeah, a- and he's he's kind of uh, I mean he's libertarian. Yeah, in some ways, uh, yeah. he's a
1: big advocate of gold and precious yeah. metals, and he's been actually a very um, strong critic of Bitcoin. And yeah, he's been very critical of Bitcoin over the past several years. Yeah. Uh, despite many people, you know, wanting to have conversations with him about it, and uh, finally, I guess today, the news came out that his precious metals company, which he's been promoting precious metals for a long time, so I guess you can right. buy them through his company. Right. Now they accept Bitcoin. What? They. <laughs> you can buy gold from Peter Schiff with uh, Bitcoin now. Oh,
0: hold on, I just got an IM. Oh, it's Satan. He says it's getting cold. <gasps> <laughs> oh, yes. Wow! Yeah, that's about what I said when I heard <laughs> this about this. It's amazing. <laughs> I, what is? What is he gonna do? He. I didn't think he would accept any form of currency, money, whatever word you want to use. Don't get so specific. <laughs> well, I that s- that didn't that couldn't make a fork <laughs> that you couldn't make a fork out of. Yeah,
1: he's kind of famous for saying you can't make a fork out of Bitcoin, as if you could, as if you would make a fork out of gold. Well, I hate to tell bad. him,
0: maybe it was maybe it was when the side chains came out. He's like, oh, you can fork Bitcoin. <laughs> it's not that kind of fork.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, Euro Pacific Metals is accepting Bitcoin, and uh, it's kind of interesting because you know a lot of people are gloating. about about this in the Bitcoin community. They're saying, oh, yeah, he finally caved in. It's Peter Schiff's now. He's changed his mind about Bitcoin. I don't think he's changed his mind at all, because no. if you're going to accept fiat money, US dollars for gold, if he'll take your worthless paper fiat and turn it into gold, then he'll take your worthless Bitcoin and turn it into gold. You know, worthless, yeah. according to
0: him. Yeah. I, and I think he just sees there's a market of a bunch of libertarian millionaires out there right now. Well, that that's he exactly. Want to deal with.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what he's been saying all along about Bitcoin is that most merchants. And I I think this is actually one of his good points about bitcoin he's been saying that most of the merchants who accept bitcoin don't actually accept bitcoin they'll just use it as a payment gateway and turn it right into cash as soon as the bitcoin payment goes through so really they're just saying yeah we'll take your money we don't care if you use bitcoin to send it to us we'll just turn it right into us dollars and that's exactly what he's doing doing. (laughs) yeah so maybe it's not a victory for the Bitcoin people just yet, but I thought that was kind of an amusing little story. There's more Sex and Science Hour coming right up. Stay tuned. Okay, guys and gals, listen up. We're about to talk shit. No, no, don't laugh. This is a very serious fecal matter. Here on Sex and Science Hour, we talk a lot about health and the human body. But did you know that our bodies are designed to squat when we poop? That's right. This whole sitting on the toilet thing? That's a bunch of crap. And it may contribute to all kinds of unpleasant stuff like hemorrhoids, constipation, and diverticulitis. Ew. So, we'd like to tell you about a very simple device that will help you solve this problem and get you back to doing your business the way Mother Nature intended it. It's called the Squatty Potty, and it works by gently helping you raise your feet when you use the toilet. This is a product that Brian and I both use, and it's made us into believers. And although the folks at Squatty Potty in no way endorse this show, we do have an affiliate link that you can use to get one, which will also help us out. Just check our show notes for the link, and get ready to say goodbye to your bathroom problems for good. Now back to Sex and Science Hour. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. Stephanie here with you, and uh, Brian's joining me today. Of course, here for the best hour of everybody's week. Oh, yeah. What am I saying (laughs) you're joining me today? You join me every week. (laughs) Maybe at
0: some point you might have another guest on. I doubt it,
1: Brian. You're my partner. You're my podcast partner, so (laughs) I'm going to stay faithful and true to you. Wow. This isn't Podcast polypodcastery, okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got three science stories that I want to cover in this segment. I know that's a little ambitious, but I hope we'll get to it. And hey, now that we're not on the radio anymore, we are not limited to 54 minutes. So we can that's make true. the show an hour. We can make the show an hour and 10 minutes like we did last week. Because, oh, I guess we should kind of mention this real quick. If you were looking for last week's show on Thursday and it, it didn't show up until Saturday, yeah, that was a little bit of a... <laughs> Yeah. We kind of explained it on the show, but what happened was basically we had an issue like getting started doing the show and we said, okay, we'll re- We'll record it one day late. What's a you know 12 hour delay? <laughs> usually it comes out on Thursday nights. If it comes out on Friday afternoon, no big deal, right? So we recorded the show on Friday and we were all ready to post it, but we had some problems because uh, the Let's Talk Bitcoin website was actually upgraded to uh, a newer, better, shinier website where I could post it myself. And usually I was not the one who was posting the show, usually that was um, Crystal Helgeson who works behind the scenes, she's awesome, but anyway. I was trying to post the show and I was having problems and I had to, you know, get the whole (laughs) website team involved in trying to solve my problems. (laughs) So, and it wasn't just me, it was some issue. It was just some silly thing. Like I was trying to upload a picture and it didn't like the picture for whatever reason. And so it denied me being able to (laughs) post the post. (laughs) So like we had to get the, you know, the geniuses in there to fix that. So it ended up coming out like last Saturday, which all right. I, I hope you still liked it. We made the show longer to make up for it being late. Please accept this as a small offering of our appreciation. <laughs> i sorry for not having the show out uh, last Thursday, like we said. But we're going to try to get this one out on Thursday. So anyway, uh, and we are recording it on Wednesday night. So we're at least <laughs> a little earlier on that front. But anyway, Brian, there is this article going around all over the past week that made a lot of headlines. And now, of course, when science gets into the news it always kind of turns into a bad scene, you know? Oh, <laughs> like yeah. Mainstream media plus science really do not mix. Like, they'll pull a very sensationalist headline out of a scientific study, and they'll copy other news outlets interpretation of the study which may in fact be wrong and sometimes they don't even read the study well not, <laughs> they not, write just,
0: about it. not just the news sources but people people won't read the actual study i mean and, and they just and, see the headline yeah, yeah and consider this you know the amount of you know work that it takes to really do serious re- scientific research mm-hmm. to wrap that up into a headline yeah and even with a decent byline you, forget it that, that can't be done
1: scientists can't even write concise titles to their published academic papers
0: (laughs) so how is the headline gonna gonna solve that
1: (laughs) yeah definitely so I, i there may be an element of that in this recent happening you can decide for yourself there's been a piece of news going around a lot this week saying that gluten sensitivity may not be real which of course you know one study doesn't disprove something obviously it's you know you need multiple kind of lines of evidence i guess to say to make a conclusion and you kind of put it all together but there was a researcher who did a study on people who have i think it was people who had ibs irritable bowel syndrome so this means they eat stuff they get Stomach pains and various other symptoms diarrhea, you know nasty stuff. They don't feel good and it can be very very mysterious like it's very it's often very hard to pin down exactly what upsets people uh, people's digestion when they eat different foods and so sometimes people will just really go nuts trying to figure out what's been bothering their guts. So a lot of people say that gluten is, and gluten is a protein that's found in wheat, barley, and rye. Wheat, barley, and rye are like the big three, and then other grains have gluten-like proteins. Anyway, gluten is this protein that in Latin, the name means glue, so it gives like breads and pizza and bagels and pretzels like this chewy, doughy texture. But a lot of people say that it's bad for the human body, (laughs) that uh, humans don't like this protein. And in fact, a lot of people are allergic to it or perhaps sensitive to it in varying degrees, not necessarily like full out. If you eat some gluten, you're going to die or get really sick. Like people with celiac disease are, which they have a very obvious, confirmed, serious reaction to this protein gluten. And they get very, very sick if they eat any gluten at all. So they have to completely avoid it. Um, And it actually... It physically destroys their intestines. Like, and you can see microscopic evidence of that on a biopsy. And that's one of the ways they diagnose people with celiac disease. So it's very, very serious for them. But a lot of people have been saying in recent years that gluten intolerance is kind of like a spectrum. And on the far end of the spectrum, you have celiac disease where people are incredibly sensitive to gluten that they can't eat any of it. But that there are like lots of people who have varying lesser degrees of gluten sensitivity where they just, they may sort of tolerate gluten okay but it's actually causing problems for them and maybe this contributes to obesity maybe this contributes to irritable bowel syndrome autoimmune conditions go down the list yada yada all these health problems sure so it's been kind of a movement in the last couple of years where people are starting to avoid gluten
0: yeah i mean it's all over packaging it's all over uh oh know, my it's gosh. all the rage in in food where it's gluten-free <laughs>
1: you know can i tell the donut story sure so <laughs> So a couple of weeks ago, it was your birthday, Brian, and we were at the grocery store and you saw in the freezer section, you're like, you know, I'm going to check out their, what they have in their freezer section. And you were looking at like the gluten-free breads and you saw gluten-free donuts. Yeah. And I... they had like these vanilla glazed gluten-free donuts. So you picked them up and you looked at the ingredients and it was like rice flour, sugar, powdered sugar. Rice sugar, tapioca starch, <laughs> basically just different kinds of sugar right. made up this donut, right. but there's no gluten in it, so it must be good for you, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so you picked up a package of gluten-free donuts, and I have to say, they were delicious. Yeah, <laughs> I they, tried it. Yeah, I mean,
0: okay, they were good, but they weren't like donut good. Like, I mean, they weren't as good as donuts are, so mm-hmm. they're not anything I'd ever buy again, but they were pretty good.
1: Are you saying they donut meet your standards? They do not. Okay. Donut. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of an example. And full disclosure, you and I follow a sort of paleo diet. And so that includes not eating grains and avoiding gluten. And I have to say, I ate bagels, wheat, cereal, pretty much any wheat product you could imagine all through my childhood. And I was not very healthy. I didn't handle it very well. Whatever I was eating at the time, which included a lot of wheat, I was overweight and... I had a lot of allergies. You know, just in the last couple of years, I found out Well, I I actually started eating uh, low carb carb back in 2002 when the Atkins diet became popular. I lost a lot of weight. Maybe one reason for that was because I wasn't eating wheat and I was allergic to the wheat. Um, And I also had a a bunch of other sort of like seasonal environmental allergies that went away at the time. So perhaps I was cutting out something that I was allergic to in one way or another. Sure. Um, So we we are kind of gluten free (laughs) people. But, you know, we also like science. And we're willing to apply skepticism to our own beliefs, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, and it doesn't have to be like celiac disease to want to avoid gluten. I recommend a book called Grain Brain. And if you yeah, if you grain brains a good book. Yeah, if you read on that, I mean, it, it talks about where you know grains and wheat, you know, wheat essentially <laughs> causes all kinds of uh, mental issues, perhaps.
1: If you read the combination of wheat belly and grain brain, oh yeah, you will never want to touch a piece of toast in in your life again, ever,
0: ever. <laughs> so, paleo or not, wheat is not a good idea, in in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And if you want to read those books, you can get them through the Sex and Science Hour Amazon affiliate link. Just follow the link through our show notes. uh, And we do appreciate that. But uh, anyway, so we follow kind of a grain free diet. And so we read this article with interest. And what it was, was basically there's a researcher who did a study on people who have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, or self-reported gluten sensitivity. So these were people who said, oh yeah, I'm gluten free. I don't eat gluten because it makes me sick. And then he basically... Tracked these people, he put them in a controlled environment where he fed them a diet that was um, grain-free and low in FODMAP foods. Now FODMAP foods, FODMAP is basically an acronym for different kinds of sugars that are found in certain foods and even foods like vegetables or like foods, you know, that have a lot of fiber, like right. like onions and broccoli and stuff like that. And even coconut, which is a favorite of the paleo people, everything is made out of coconut that you can't make out of bread <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, coconuts are a FODMAP food and apparently these FODMAPs, these sugars, can set off people with IBS. So the researcher fed the subjects and it was like 20 people, around 20 people, 22 something like that. By the way, I'm just we we run from memory on the show. We're not like usually looking at articles in front of us. So don't quote me if I get something a little bit wrong, but I think I've got the basic gist of it.
0: You are a biochemist.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I do have a PhD in biochemistry, but guess what? PhDs can be wrong. Sometimes (laughs) they're wrong. (laughs) Often they're wrong. So he took this group of people, fed them a controlled diet that was supposed to be the baseline diet to get their guts calm and working order. And then um, he rotated them through a cycle where one week after being fed the baseline diet, they got the baseline diet plus 16 grams of gluten added to it, pure gluten, poured on top of their food sprinkled all over their meat and veggies (laughs) gluten all over their food people are cringing when i say this Uh, and then another group was um so that was the high gluten group then there was the low gluten group which got two grams of gluten plus 16 grams of like whey protein from milk and then or 14 i don't know it it was a total of 16 grams of protein anyway there was high gluten low gluten and then no gluten, which was just the whey protein. And then he asked people on each of these different diets, how do you feel? And no matter what they were fed, they still felt sicker. Subjectively, they reported right. feeling sicker. So he concluded from this that among people who have self-reported gluten sensitivity that are not celiac disease, but they're, they say that they're sensitive to gluten. He concluded that it's not the gluten. Perhaps it may be the wheat because people don't eat purified gluten. They eat wheat. Right. Right. Um, So it may be something else in the wheat. They can't rule that out. But he believes that it's not the gluten. So the Internet is abuzz with all this news saying that, oh, all these people who think they're gluten intolerant, they're just making it up. It's all in their head. They're psych cases. Let's get the pizza in here and start eating it because gluten sensitivity does not exist.
0: Well, I mean, that's really the key is that I think that That's the real problem with this, is that a bunch of people, and equally, what are the chances that a, an article debunking gl- the gluten sensitivity comes out a week after Vibram gets, you know, sued, it's successfully sued It's a conspiracy to take down all oh, the paleo hey, people! Just saying! <laughs> uh, but anyway... I think it's a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just a coincidence. Um, but, you know, th- this is really a bunch of people who can't put down the pizza for two weeks, you know uh, you think complaining or, or or you know doing a victory lap or something like that which it's not even a victory
1: well yeah it's not a victory for the people who feel sick and don't know why
0: so i mean that, that's that for me that's the takeaway is it's just showing like people just hate they really they don't like you going outside of the status quo and anytime that they can come out and say that something that had a lot of science and a lot of people are excited about or being healthy about uh they just they they leap to destroy it they they enjoy it. They want you to wallow on the couch just like them.
1: That is one explanation, or perhaps it isn't the gluten. Perhaps it's something else in the wheat or it's the combination of ingredients in the wheat.
0: Oh, I'm not saying the science is wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that the reason that this is a big story has nothing to do with the science. It has to do with people's attitudes.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think there are a lot of people who are really reacting very Uh, emotionally, I guess, to the story. Yeah, I mean, they're just putting
0: it in people's faces like, ha 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 ha, you were wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of it is, maybe maybe there's some confirmation bias coming into play. Like, the people who believe that they are sensitive to gluten are like, well, I'm not going to eat bread just yet, you know? And the people who believe that gluten doesn't do a thing are like, I told you so. You know, it doesn't exist. I've been saying this all along. You're not a special snowflake. Get out of my face, you know? Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the jury's kind of still out. I'm not personally about to start eating pizza again because I know from experience that that doesn't feel good for me.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm not messing with wheat or you yeah. know, eating a lot of carbs. I know how I feel right now, and it's way better than I did years ago.
1: Right. So I mean, of course, people are different. You know, there's no like one ideal human diet and people's genetics varies widely in terms sure. of what kind of food works best for them. So you kind of have to find it yourself within a range. I mean, I don't think there's any human out there who does best subsisting on a diet of pure cotton candy or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, there is probably a range of human diets and you have to find where within that range you feel best. So I I don't know. I, I don't really have any answers. I just think that was kind of an interesting uh, recent article.
0: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I mean, you know, the one thing that is true for for every diet that will make you healthier is if you go to eat more, you know, natural foods, more organic foods. I think as soon as you start down that road, no matter what you're doing, yeah. you're, you're going to feel better.
1: That's usually the first step in any diet. I That's mean, why most vegan, of them are claimed to work. Yeah. Like literally any diet you pick, go down the list. Vegan, Mediterranean diet, low yep. carb diet, paleo diet, South, any Beach. South Beach, any diet. They're like the first thing you do pretty much is cut out processed foods. Yeah. And it's pretty inarguable that that probably is good for your health or I, I good think for so. losing weight. Yeah. <laughs> at
0: least it's good for your health in any case.
1: So, and I want to just credit Rasa uh, from Bitcoin 100 because he actually emailed us that story for show prep. So, thank you, Rasa. And if you haven't, check out bitcoin100.org. They are a meta char- sort of like a meta charity that basically helps charities um, accept Bitcoin donations and gives them a starter fund of Bitcoins when they begin accepting Bitcoins at their charity. So, really cool organization. Fantastic work. Okay. So, our next story so, this kind of ties in with the last thing that we were talking about. There's been a lot of research recently and a lot of talk and buzz about probiotics and about basically, you know, swallowing bacteria or eating kimchi or sauerkraut or yogurt or whatever to try to increase the amount of, quote, good bacteria in your guts. Right. And, you know, humans are really affected by the community of bacteria that live inside our bodies. It's a little gross to think about, And actually, it's not just bacteria. It's probably some yeast in there and other kinds of organisms. But yeah, they're kind of referred to as the gut flora. And everybody thinks it's really important to have good gut flora because they do things like make vitamin K and help you process your food and help you get nutrients out of your food and, and do all kinds of good stuff. So there's been a lot of attention paid to the gut microbiome. There's like 10 trillion bacteria in our intestines, and there's only like 1 trillion cells in the human body. So like... There are more bacterial cells than there are human cells in our bodies. So we really are like very affected by these bugs. So there's been a lot of attention paid to like trying to figure out what are the best bacteria to have living in your gut. And how do we make how do we tip the scales so that the good bacteria are favored over the bad bacteria? There was some famous research that came out um, uh, almost 10 years ago at this point. Where a researcher showed that the gut flora of obese mice could be transplanted into thin mice and they would make them fat, wow, yeah. And then by vice versa, incredible, yeah. so and with people too, obese people have different gut flora than lean people. There really seems to be a connection there. But not much attention has been paid to another environment that is also teeming with bacteria. Uh, that probably nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. if. I mean, like, if the gut's not off limits, then this should not be off limits either. But of course, what I'm talking about is the vagina. So the female vaginas are colonized by bacteria, just like everybody's guts are. And this becomes kind of important because especially like during childbirth, you know, having a community of happy, good bacteria there can affect the pregnancy and the birth.
0: Yeah, this is why they recommend against C sections because this bacteria is essentially a rite of passage for a child.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's how they claim that human children get their gut flora is from the mother's vagina during a vaginal birth. Right. But as far as I know, not a lot of research has been put into what is, you know, the vaginal microbiome. What what communities of bacteria are supposed to live in the vagina. And previously, it was kind of thought that a a healthy vagina has lactobacilli, which are bacteria that basically ferment sugars into lactic acid. And that makes an acidic environment in which other types of germs can't live, like yeast, for Mm. instance. So like it fights yeast infections, and it fights other kinds of pathogens that might come along. So that was the idea was that, you know, lactobacilli equals healthy vagina. Well, apparently there's been a new study that just came out that is really challenging that dogma. And it gets even better than that because, okay, so this researcher took like 400 women and looked at the bacteria that were living in their vaginas. Okay. These were all healthy women. They had no symptoms, no problems. They were totally healthy. Mm -hmm. And he found that not all of them had Vaginal flora that was dominated by lactobacilli. Some of them had different kinds of bacteria that lived in their vaginas, but they were still healthy vaginas. So vaginas can be healthy without lactobacilli. So how is that? Not only that, but he found that they varied by race. Okay. Oh, wow. So basically the standard of having um, a vaginal microbiome that's dominated by lactobacilli, that was very typical for white women and Asian women but not for black and hispanic women or not as prevalent so again like the standard the previous standard or the previous dogma was based
0: on white women sure well this is the thing i mean i'm glad one of my takeaways from this is i'm glad that a science is taking women seriously for once again and they're taking they're taking race seriously you know they're actually i mean before they just write really both issues off as inferior
1: Yeah, you know, I would say they're taking diversity between people seriously,
0: finally, because... I mean, science has literally ignored both areas. Oh, yeah. In a lot of ways, or at least not, they haven't taken it seriously, I should say.
1: Yeah, they totally have. I I completely agree with you. I just think, like, it's really interesting that uh, science really hasn't learned the lesson yet of one-size-fits-all doesn't work. Right. You know, they haven't really figured out that people are individualized. I mean, any pharmaceutical drug affects people differently. They'll do a large clinical trial and sometimes a drug will benefit 10% of the patients but not the other 90%. Right. Sometimes a drug will only benefit like there was this huge controversy because there's drug for heart what is it heart failure I think that works best in black people. Okay. And it doesn't really work for white people. And it was really controversial because I think initially it got approved by the FDA but only for black people and so Then it gets into what defines a black person, who's black and who's not, and... Uh, there were some black people that were like, uh, are they trying to kill us? Why did they
0: <laughs> Which would not be unheard of for them to think. I no, mean, because <laughs> you know, there's been sterilization programs against black people. Yeah. Not that long ago.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think they're crazy for thinking that at all. But then some of them were like, well, yeah, like, finally, they're having it. There's a drug for us. Like, all yeah. the other drugs are for white people. All everything else is for white people. So why not have something that works for us? Right. Right. So people are different. OK. And regardless of race or anything like that. People just have different genetics. And oh, so, even on
0: an individual level, yeah.
1: Yeah, so medical stuff affects them differently, and things like their the bacteria that are in their vaginas might be different, and that's cool. They're all healthy, right? Right. So I, I just thought that was a really interesting article to bring up. The last one that I want to do is a doozy, and this is great, Brian. I think we're all going to laugh when we hear this, but this is another scientific study or scientific topic that we want to talk about here on Sex and Science Hour. This was inspired by, I think it was our co-host on Free Talk Live, Brian Mark Edge, okay. who told us that he had read an article or he brought it in for show prep, but we never got to talk about it on the show. And the headline that I remember him saying was that 15% of people believe that they are in the bottom 50% of intelligence. <laughs> okay. I'll let say that again. 15% of people believe that they are in the bottom 50% of intelligence. So that means that 85% of people believe that they are in the top 50% of intelligence. Wow. (laughs) And so there's actually, I tried to look around for this and I tried to (laughs) like find the article that he was referring to. I couldn't find it, but I did find an interesting Wikipedia article, which kind of summarizes a bunch of different studies that I think is even more interesting. And there's a name for this. It's called Illusory Superiority
0: okay (laughs) so So the the, illusion of superiority yeah
1: the illusion of superiority it's basically what it means is it's a cognitive bias that causes people to overestimate their positive qualities and abilities and to underestimate their negative qualities relative to others so basically everyone thinks they're better than everyone else (laughs) everyone thinks they're smarter more popular uh
0: better drivers I, i there's a great cartoon out there or you know in the newspaper drawn whatever Mm -hmm. it's a bunch of people in a bus you know in a metro bus and all of them have the comic bubbles above their head you know showing that they're thinking Mm -hmm. and they're all saying why is everybody so stupid (laughs) you know and they're all thinking that in the bus
1: yeah and that's funny because it resonates with people i mean it's totally true everybody thinks everybody else is so stupid
0: yeah (laughs) i fall prey to that that all the time (laughs) i may be falling prey to illusory illusory superiority (laughs)
1: Well, you're not alone if you are. (laughs) (laughs) Let me read you a couple of examples from this Wikipedia article here. The faculty of the University of Nebraska was surveyed, and 68% rated themselves in the top 25% of the faculty for their (laughs) teaching abilities. Okay. It gets better. 87% of MBA students at Stanford University rated their academic performance above the median. So 87%, almost 90%, believe that they were in the top 50%.
0: 50% of?
1: Oh, of academic performance. At Stanford. Yeah, and that's actually something you can measure. Like, you can look at their grades and say, well, Joe thinks he's... (laughs) above the median, but he's not. (laughs) There's also support for illusory superiority in um, stock market trading. Every trader thinks they are the best and most
0: likely to succeed. Oh, that's true. That's (laughs) absolutely true. No doubt about it. Yeah, I know you have some experience with that,
1: (laughs) Here's another one. How do people rank themselves in terms of popularity? How popular they think they are? How well they get along with other people? Well, there was a survey in the 70s that was attached to SAT exams. So this was done on, I guess, high school students, but about a million students take the SAT every year. So this is a large sample size. Right. So they asked them, rate yourself relative to the median, relative to the middle, the average person, on a number of vague positive characteristics, such as leadership ability, ability to get along well with others. And listen to this, 70% of students put themselves above the median in terms of their leadership ability, whatever that means. Wow, fail all of them. (laughs) 85% put themselves above the median in terms of their ability to get along with other people. And 25% rated themselves in the top 1%. Wow! In terms of their ability to get along with other people, wow! Can you believe that 25% think they are in the top one percent of popularity? I, and I'm, I'm to get far along more with concerned
0: people. about the, uh, the, the <laughs> 70% thinking that they're good leaders. Oh yeah! Uh, I mean, who terrifying. are they going to be leading if they think that? The yeah, as if leading is something that's desirable.
1: Here's another one: driving ability. Now this is good. So. In uh, 1981, there was a survey of drivers in Sweden and the US asking them to compare their driving skills and driving safety to other people in the experiment. For driving skills, 93% of the U.S. drivers and 69% of the Swedish drivers put themselves in the top 50%. So 93% of the U.S. drivers in this study thought they were better than average drivers.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, to some degree that might be true because I'll be the first one to actually, like I'll joke about how people drive poorly. Mm -hmm. um, But I'll be the first to to blame perhaps the, the entire driving system as we understand it as being the actual problem and not humans. Mm. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> we talked about that on yeah, the show. I blame the roads. <laughs> so I mean it goes on and on. There's just a lot of uh ways that people believe that they are better than the median, even when it is objectively provable that they can't be better than the median. <laughs> so yeah. They're totally
0: well, <laughs> overestimating themselves. I mean, it's slightly to the credit of human beings, they are going to base their own ability upon their sphere of influence, mm-hmm. which is I think for most people, it's not a large amount. It's not thousands of people. So it's pretty easy, I think, for someone to feel superior in the group of 13. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And actually, there's another component to this, which was that the worse they are, the worse they are at recognizing when other people are good. Mm. (laughs) So so like there are lots of people out there who are incompetent, but believe they are very competent and don't know it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that's backed up by a study. So there was a study where a group of participants were was given specific tasks like solving logic problems, analyzing grammar questions and determining whether or not jokes were funny. And they were asked to evaluate their performance on those tasks relative to the rest of the group, enabling a direct comparison of their actual versus perceived performance. The results were divided into 4 groups depending on their actual performance and it was found that all 4 groups evaluated their performance as above average. All 4 groups, the worst people the people who scored the lowest, everybody thought they were above average. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that the lowest scoring group, the bottom 25% showed a very large illusory superiority bias. The researchers attributed this to the fact that the individuals who were worst at performing the tasks were also worst at recognizing skill in those tasks. This was supported by the fact that, given training, the worst subjects improved their estimate of their rank as well as getting better at the tasks. So people think they're better and they don't even know that they're not.
0: Depressing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. so depressing that it, it won a Ig Nobel Prize in 2000, the paper titled Unskilled and Unaware of It, How, difficult in, <laughs> how Difficulties in Recognizing One's Own Incompetence Lead to Inflated Self-Assessments. <laughs> I love that title. See, I told you scientists can't write concise t- titles no, for their own research. No, no, no research, of course right? not, yeah. So I don't, you know, I what is there really to say about this, except being aware of your biases can really help you smash them
0: basically them yeah, and yeah root overcome them, out. them and you know, it's actually, the only way to overcome yeah them. and actually be a better person
1: yeah so i mean i guess maybe we could all deal with a little more humility or at least like some objective standard that we can compare ourselves to well, before we say i'm the best
0: <laughs> yeah yeah maybe maybe have some proof in the pudding you know have have something you know i, I have a phrase that i like to use that it's not bragging if you can back it up you know, it's not yeah. boasting if you can back it up. Uh, and so I guess if you can really literally back it up, then, hey, modesty can be as bad as boasting. You know, well, it really okay. can.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, uh, you know, getting a Ph.D. and being in an acad- working in academia for uh, years before that, too. Uh, I'll tell you, there there is a lot of emphasis on being humble. And how you should never toot your own horn. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I honestly think that is bad for for marketing. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the really famous scientists will at least talk to the media about their findings. And sometimes they will promote them and they'll give talks about what they've been doing in their lab. And they'll have blogs and stuff like that. Right. And whereas some of the academic scientists would consider that stuff braggadocio. You know, they would consider it um, not being humble, which you're yeah. supposed to be in academia.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally disagree with that. I think people should very much toot their horns when their horn is deserved of being tooted. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> but I mean, how do
1: you know if you deserve to toot your own horn? I mean, sometimes it can be really hard to tell. Yeah, sometimes. But I guess if you're having trouble with that question then it means that you're aware of <laughs> right? Cuz the people who think they're the best don't even know <laughs> right? Right, that,
0: that right that they're not. But I mean like if you if you really say like you're at a job, if you really buy by the numbers you know, it can be shown, it's it's logged, it's registered in our computer world, that you perform at a higher level, you meet your monthly quotas, you meet all this stuff, then yeah, start tooting, don't be all quiet and meek around your boss, because then you're going to lose out on making more money. You know, if, if you can definitely prove that you're good at what you do, then, okay, there's three things that everybody thinks, in fact, this, this science kind of proves a statement, and this is an old statement, there's three things that everybody thinks that they can do better than everyone else.
1: Okay. Dry, I'm guessing driving, sex, and
0: yep. and writing, writing, oh, driving, gosh. sex, and writing. Now the problem is <laughs> is, eight is that two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> sure, but the problem is is that like at least one of those no one will talk about. You know they're mm. so damned repressed that you, you know we some of these cognitive, some of these biases, some of these uh, you know uh, illusory uh, superiorities. You can't even find out about that. It's just not true because everybody's lying to each other. About it. <laughs> yeah. How would you know if you're the
1: best at sex, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, you'd have to have a large sample size, but we are n- we're not allowed to do that.
1: Yeah. And even if you had a large sample size, maybe it means you're good at convincing people to have sex with you, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at sex.
0: Well, right. But that's because like women are uh, kind of, I-, I don't know what phrase to use. Women are they're taught to please taught to please yeah. They're taught to like you know fake it they're taught to no look you got to make him feel good about it and yeah. when it's like no you know what if he sucked if he didn't do a good job <laughs> if he didn't please you tell him yeah you know what i mean so that's what i'm saying this modesty stuff's got to go that's as bad as the braggadocio mm,
1: yeah there is kind of a maybe a gender role in there but i you know We're starting with uh, helping people become aware of their own cognitive biases and entertaining you, hopefully, in the process. (laughs) I think Sex and Science Hour is in the top 1% of most entertaining shows, Brian. (laughs) Do you agree with me? Uh, (laughs) I'm just making a joke there. Anyway, uh, this is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. Stay tuned. We've got our final segment on the way, and we're going to do all listener Email. So get ready, this is Sex and Science Hour. Hey, sexy, science listeners. It's time to take a minute to say hello, and thank you so much for the tips that we received this week. We actually got a tip of two millibits, which was really funny because the name of our show last week was Two Millibits Short. So <laughs> thank you. I got the joke, and I thought it was funny. Thank you for that, and thank you for all the other donations we've received. It really helps us keep cranking out content for you to enjoy. So thanks a million for that. Another thing that's really fun for us is to see when people shop through the Sex and Science Hour Amazon affiliate links because we can see what was purchased. So that means we get to add an extra segment into the show like this and tell you what people bought through the Sex and Science Hour Amazon affiliate links. So what did people buy this week? Well, let's see. We've got some rugby equipment, raw organic chocolate powder, a bike chain, not a blockchain, a bike chain, the Richard Feynman Lectures on Physics boxed set oh my. And this might be the most interesting one. Two needles for turntables. I'm still waiting for the microphone and the two turntables to come in, but I think we're off to a good start with those two needles. So thank you so much for using our affiliate links. It's really fun to see what people get. And thanks for supporting Sex and Science Hour. We love you guys, and we'd love to do a show for you. Now, back to the show. <coughs> This is Sex and Science Hour, and we are in our third and final segment of tonight's show. Snarf Blap. Yeah, you did <laughs> you remembered, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> okay, so we've got a bunch of listener emails that I wanted to cover on the show
0: because Wait wait no. Blathering blather skites. Well, well that's different. Yeah. You didn't do your the usual. The good kids will know what that one is. Exactly.
1: Okay, I don't I must not be a good kid because I don't know <laughs> what it is. Do you care to enlighten us? Roboduck. Mm, that doesn't help. Ducktails. Anyway, oh, oh Ducktales. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's coming back to me now. I used to watch Ducktales yeah. in the late in the yeah, late eighties, early nineties, something like Go that. Ducktales. Woo. Doo, oh boy. Doo, 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 doo. They'll get us for copyright infringement in a second. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Good thing
0: we're anarchists.
1: So we got a bunch of listener emails over the course of the last 15 weeks that we've been doing the show. And you can always email us at uh, show at sexandsciencehour.com if you have something you want to share. Sometimes we get a little bit like lazy, dare I yeah, say, I mean, about, d- about like putting our listener emails on the show prep and making sure we get to them on the show and responding and stuff like that. So I'm really sorry if we haven't answered your questions email yet that you've sent us. We're going to try to do a cleanup over the next couple of weeks and get the listener emails in because we do have the opportunity to do a longer show format now. So we might as well like respond to our listener emails.
0: Yeah, sex and science hour and 15. <laughs> <laughs> right. So,
1: okay. This email I found very sad, uh, touching, frustrating, sad. I was glad that the person sent it, but I felt really bad for him. Hmm. And this is a story of The crushing of entrepreneurship, basically. A couple weeks ago on the show, maybe it was like four weeks ago at this point, we talked about some of the major porn sites that have been accepting Bitcoin. Right. Well, listener Kevin wrote in, and he had some additional stuff to share about this, so I'm going to read his email now. He says... I'm a long-time listener to the Sex and Science Hour show, at least as long as it's been on, and one of the topics that you, well, mostly Brian, talked about several episodes back really resonates with me, basically how adult entertainment drives innovation. Several years ago, I had the idea for an adult-oriented website, which I recently developed to the point of being able to commercialize on it. Everything went smoothly until it was time to figure out how to let people pay. Little did I know the difficulties I would run into. Yeah, we need some sound effects here. (laughs) While Bitcoin has been an option from the beginning, I wanted to add a way to accept credit cards. PayPal and Google Play were the easiest to start with. Both said they only disallow, quote, certain adult content, but didn't go into details. My site provides interactions with dominant women, but does not have nudity. I believe it to be fairly unique. Shortly after I started taking transactions, Google canceled my account, and PayPal not only banned me for life with no appeal, they also did the same for any accounts associated with my name, which included a non-adult business I also run. Unbelievable! So he had his PayPal account for his other non-adult business closed down and his personal one, anything associated with his name.
0: Yeah. And for good, there's for no... a site that doesn't
1: have any nudity. <laughs> it's just insane. It's uh, all it is, is a site, uh, probably fetish, you know, fetish uh, models, just... dominant women, female doms or whatever. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, this is like Project Choke Point, right? The, the, or Operation Choke Point that we've talked about I suppose. Where people's bank accounts or in this case, PayPal accounts. It's like, oh, you're involved with this <laughs> game over.
1: Yeah. I I mean, that's just nuts. So what happened to him after that? He says, I started. So I started looking for a, quote, high risk merchant account. All the well-known companies wanted $1,500 a year for Visa slash MasterCard to renew slash validate my site. Plus 15% of every transaction.
0: 15% plus
1: a six month hold on 10% of the remaining funds. He's going to have nothing left. How is he supposed to run a business with that? That's quite a bit for someone just wanting to test the waters, he said. Oh, man. Eventually, I found one processor that didn't have the high startup fee and tried them. In three weeks, we took in almost $3,000 in transactions. Pretty good, right? When it came time for them to send me the money, they only provided the runaround. Reasons included new banking regulations, anti-money laundering laws, etc., etc. Almost a full month after the money was due, I have been sent a grand total of 10% of what is owed. I cannot pay the people involved with the site without hitting my personal funds, and I have pretty much zero recourse against the processor. Meanwhile, my customers have no idea that their money isn't going to the people they thought it was unbelievable he tried to start a business i mean this is going to end up running him into the ground with no bank accounts and nothing you know like nothing how, to show for how everything is he, he supposed did. to pay his employees if he doesn't have a bank account to begin right. with, or if all of his accounts are getting canceled to begin with uh but i mean that's just insane he can't even get his money it's a month later and he's only gotten 10 percent of well, the money that he earned
0: <laughs> hold on this is look He's doing an immoral business. This is God's justice. Oh, God's (laughs) justice.
1: It sounds like the government's injustice.
0: (laughs) I hope he knows I'm kidding.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I wonder what the real reason for the this was. Was this payment processor really complying with new banking regulations, anti-money laundering laws, et cetera, et cetera, or were they just a sketchy merchant that's preying on businesses that can't get served by other financial companies?
0: Uh, entirely possible. But this is what happens when you regulate: is you create these really scary, uh, you know, situations to deal in. You you just you kind of shove everything to uh, you know to some kind of like. I don't know. Yeah, it goes dark un- business. It goes practice. underground. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you end up with all this crazy stuff.
1: He said ten percent of our customers do pay by Bitcoin and some use Dwala where transactions can be easily canceled within four days, so we have to delay services on those. Why am I telling you this? Because I truly believe Bitcoin solves all the problems I ran into. The adult entertainment industry has been driving innovation in the past, and with the sorry state of payment processing for adult websites, Bitcoin seems to be the only direction things can go. Since we are no longer able to take credit cards, I get emails every day from customers that want to pay but cannot. I try to point in the direction of Bitcoin, but it is still very scary and confusing to a lot of people. My appeal to you is to possibly mention this in a podcast, which may bring together some of the people that have or are considering a website where typical credit card payment is not a viable option. Maybe some of the problems have already been solved on making Bitcoin easier. I don't think many people know what it involves selling perfectly legal products and services online if they happen to fall into certain categories. And it's getting worse. By the way, he said he loved my interview with Mistress Magpie that was on Let's Talk Bitcoin several months ago.
0: Oh, that was fantastic. I and, remember that. He,
1: oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, and he was able to get in touch with her because of that. Awesome. And yeah, so that he's got a friend and that's really nice. But man, this stinks
0: yeah well i mean um, let me clarify i'm
1: so bummed out to hear this story
0: oh yeah yeah let me let me clarify the reason that bitcoin works so well because i'm not just talking when i say regulation i'm not just talking about like government legislation kind of regulation i'm talking about even within the credit card companies within banks and all this stuff all these rules bitcoin makes things so easy because there's really other than what's programmed into it hard coded there are no rules Mm. you know it's amazing blockchain.info they have a a a merchant app now that's so simple to use i don't know necessarily that it would help kevin here Mm -hmm. okay but here you go download it we don't need your information i don't want your identity i don't want anything here you go you can start using this yeah and that's what makes it so great you know and then people say well it allows for fraud how many Oh, there's no fraud in the traditional system, is there? (laughs) Listeners, I want you to really think about this. How many genuinely evil, screwed up people are there on planet Earth? If you think that it's some kind of majority or that it's even close, you know, to being in the double digits and percentages... I, I feel bad for your outlook on this, on humanity. Uh, I mean, no,
1: they I, just think they're in the top one percent of good people. Well, hey, maybe that's, that's perfectly relative. <laughs> like okay. we about that before. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> but but seriously, the kind of people that want to do fraud against systems, and that's why we need all these regulations inside of these financial systems and whatever, are so minuscule. And in fact, usually they're the people that are holding all the money because the fraudsters know how to work, how to game the system. So why even bother putting the rules in the first place? Yeah, You know, all it does is hurt honest businessmen Mm. like Kevin. Yeah. When when you do these things and then Bitcoin comes around, saves the day, swoops in like Superman.
1: It's got to be so discouraging to pour all this work and time and energy into building a business. And then when it comes to just something as simple as accepting payments, suddenly you're out on the street Yeah, and it's like you're a pariah. It's like nobody wants to work with you and it's a completely legal business. I mean, well, on paper, it's legal, right? But de facto, it's becoming illegal because if you can't get a credit card processor to work with you, you might as well be operating in the black market or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, this is kind of similar to a point you've brought up many times in your talks at conferences where WikiLeaks, you know, oh, yeah. WikiLeaks, there was no law put out against WikiLeaks to where they couldn't accept donations. Yep, there was that, nothing. There was just a little nudge nudge, you know, in oh, the right yeah. spot. That All said, it was
1: was the U.S. senators, a couple of them, started saying, yeah, WikiLeaks is bad. And then within a couple of days like that, Yeah, 97% nope. of the global payment network cut off WikiLeaks. PayPal right. locked down their account. Very. This was very famous. Yeah. PayPal, Bank of America, Chase, MasterCard, Visa. Who Else, I, I'm missing some, oh, but like, I mean, it was literally 97% of the global uh, payment network yeah. couldn't send any money to WikiLeaks, yeah, and that's how they got interested in Bitcoin. Yeah,
0: Bitcoin literally <laughs> saved one of the most important journalistic institutions on planet Earth, yeah, which is WikiLeaks. And now,
1: I'm not going to say who this is, but I there is a prominent person in the Bitcoin world who told me off the record that the way that he first found out about Bitcoin was because he wanted to support WikiLeaks, but he did he was scared. He wanted to do it anonymously. Yeah. That's how he found out about Bitcoin. But he was like even scared to say that in an interview.
0: Yeah. And you know and that's I, too bad. <laughs> absolutely. And I wanna and, and granted what what Kevin's doing his business is relatively clean, you know, by porn standards, right? Is that fair of me to say?
1: I suppose so. I haven't looked at his website, yeah. but he said there's no, not even any nudity. Yeah,
0: regardless, it could be whatever it is. I don't really care. He could be running the next red tube, and, and that's fine with mm-hmm. me. Okay? But this is the point. You know, you talk about things like net neutrality, okay, where everybody's freaking out. It's like, oh, I'm going to lose my Netflix. I'm going to lose my access to this, access to that. Look, these regulations are designed, in my opinion, in a large part to destroy the porn industry. Okay, and to destroy this immorality. So really, you
1: think if, the crusade on porn is gone because George W. Bush is out of office? It's not. No, it's still it's, going it's on. It's still
0: going on, like we mentioned, uh, Operation Choke Point, all these different things. Yeah, we listened
1: uh, to our show from a couple weeks ago for yeah.
0: that. My my point being is that look, if you love your erotica, get on Bitcoin. Maybe this audience doesn't need to hear that, but maybe people you know, your friends, need to hear that. Go ahead, be open and talk about it.
1: Yeah, I I think you brought up a really great point about net neutrality and how people are freaking out about what they're going to lose access to. What have you already lost access to that you don't even know about? Yeah. Because of these policies. Yeah. You know, what what kinds of websites and products and things that you might even not think would be a problem? Right. A website with fetish modeling with no nudity? Seriously? (laughs) What have you what businesses have not been started? in the first place because they know that they're going to have these problems what businesses have tried to have been started and have had these problems and have been shut down before you ever found out about them how much fun how much knowledge how much interesting entertainment have you missed out on or how much life-saving stuff have you missed out on because of these regulations right and we'll never really know because that's what we can't see it's the it's the seen and the unseen and this is the unseen yeah Kevin, thank you for sharing that with us. I hope you can maybe find some connections through this email. If you want, we can, you know, if you want to get in touch with Kevin, just email us. We can maybe put you in touch if that's what he wants to do. But man, good luck to you. All the best. All the best to all the entrepreneurs out there who are just trying to make a living.
0: Yeah. May the blockchain be with you.
1: All right. Well, to round out the show, we're short on time, but I want to just end out the show with one more listener email here. This relates to the self-driving cars topic that came up last week on our show, Brian. Oh, boy. And this email here is from Francis. He says, first of all, I love the show. I'll send some uh, millibits your way soon. And thank you. We appreciate it when anybody sends us tips or shops through our Amazon affiliate links. That really helps us out. Yeah, very much appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Francis says, I have a small comment about the driverless car topic this maybe a small comment that will spark a big discussion. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I have been flying the Airbus A320 for about two years now. That's it's a
0: big plane.
1: Yeah, it's a big uh, passenger jet, huh? Yeah. So he says, it's what they call a fly-by-wire aircraft. This basically means that there's no physical link between the flight control surfaces and the joystick. So if all the computers fail, there is no chance of controlling the aircraft. Of course, this is so unlikely because of all the redundancy that it is statistically impossible. Does Brian fly at all?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't, but I I do have somewhat of a family of pilots. And I understand his point. You know, I I know about FBW systems and side stick flights and all that. Cars have done this for a really long time. In fact, the head of Google X uh, recently, Astro, he he recently said uh, that, you know this is a beautiful thing where the user doesn't even think about it but a computer actually controls everything Mm. okay like your brakes you're not physically on a modern car ever since abs systems you know anti-lock brakes have been put into cars when you hold down the brake pedal you're not physically pushing down the brakes you're telling the computer to put the brakes down okay so Mm -hmm. this is kind of the same idea but let me explain i'm against all of that too my primary car that i enjoyed was a 1973 ford ltd that i drove for a very long time that did not have any of these automated systems when you press on the throttle when you press on the accelerator on that car you can literally see the wire pull the accelerator near the carburetor okay Mm -hmm. so like if the point is is that if you're worried because i think what the email is saying and i appreciate it it's a good point to bring up the email is saying that Why are you worried about a self-driving car when really cars and a lot of other vehicles are just inches away from being self-driving in the first place? Because you're not really in control of them. The computer is. Mm -hmm. I understand your point, but I don't think computers have any businesses in cars.
1: But why not? Are you just a Luddite or what?
0: (laughs) No, no, no. It's not that. Well, there's a few reasons. One is it's uneconomical okay the reason they say put a computer in these things is because it allows for better mileage or whatever okay because a computer can drive better than the human being can that's the theory Mm -hmm. I disagree with that theory I think you can get better mileage out of things better performance out of things with very simple tricks that do not require a computer the other problem with having a computer is that if you are a person that and maybe this doesn't apply to everyone but if you are a person that actually likes to work on your own machines Okay, whatever that machine may be, having a computer in the way, you know, just complicates everything. So
1: then suddenly you can't work on it yourself. You have to hire an expert who knows what the computer can do.
0: And like I mentioned at a Black Hat conference, okay, that a guy was able to take an Android phone and control a vehicle. He was able to control a car no matter what the person did. Just a few months before that story, there was a story and some will say this wasn't necessarily proven, but I don't see any reason why if it can't if it could be done with a car why it couldn't be done with an airplane that a guy said he could crash an airplane with his Android device <gasps> in the air. That's scary. Okay. That's exactly from an A30 airplane that has this FBW systems inside of it. So, there's my concern. Yeah, you are out of control, but that's not a good thing. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> like So why hasn't someone crashed an airplane with their phone yet?
0: Well, supposedly, like I said, it's not possible. But I don't see, you know, maybe they put in better security systems into some of these. Is that why they're so insistent about turn off your phone? Oh, I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I don't know. But but my point is, is that if you can provably do it to a car, I don't see why you can't provably do it to any other vehicle out there. Any other thing that has a computer at the helm. Mm. Okay. Now, I mean, people may want this and they want that automation. And like, like Astro was saying at Google X, he was like... Technology is best when you don't see it in operation. Yeah, I disagree. Couldn't disagree more. You know, with with that. I mean, I don't expect. You know, there's a division of labor, right? Not everybody needs to be a computer specialist. But these fully automated systems, these kinds of things, really get in the way. You know, I look. I have my Chromebook here. Uh, if my Chromebook got locked into like a power-on mode okay and it was really mission critical i needed to get an email out or something like that is the only thing i had around me but it's just it's just frozen okay my laptop's frozen on i'm gonna have to wait and these things have like nine hour batteries i'm gonna have to wait eight hours you know for it to finally turn off because i can't remove the battery Mm. okay yeah I, i can't remove the battery from it look that's a new development and that's not good folks that's not good you well, know you I,
1: just call your friendly tech support at yeah, google right. and wait on the line until yeah, they help yeah. you right
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm sure somebody's gonna you might be up, waiting nine hours <laughs> <right>. <laughs> i'm sure somebody's gonna come up with some smart ass way of how to do it but it should be just that simple as to i could pull the battery okay this is a, like a lot of other electronic systems folks the off buttons are disappearing they're, yeah, they're gone that's true the off buttons are gone go ahead turn off your tv no 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 turn it off don't Put it to sleep. Go turn it off. Oh wait, you can't. You're going to have to unplug the thing. You know what well, I mean? Well, the
1: better to spy on you with. Yeah. Well,
0: well, I don't know. I'm not being conspiratorial. <laughs> I'm just saying that you should be able to. Have well, it con- wouldn't be crazy to be like to think go conspiracy
1: on that. No, I mean. right. But
0: you should just be able to control what you buy. Okay, mm-hmm. and that, and that's that's it. Now you know again. Uh, a big Airbus, maybe a little bit of a different story. But I get the point that, look, you're already dealing with a million things that you don't have direct control over. But what I'm saying is is that I don't think any of that is good either. Mm. So that said, driverless cars, I actually do support them now. Why is that? What made uh, you change your mind? Well, I read a story that police departments are very concerned that when when driverless cars come out, because they will automatically go the speed limit, oh! that they won't be able to collect... <laughs> seven billion dollars a year Ugh. in funding because of speeding tickets so if that means it's going to defund police departments game on uh, I'll, I'll take a driverless car thank you
1: don't you think they'll just find some new way to extract to shake you down i think driverless cars will never come out there was a story because that the said police be will a-
0: lobby against it well it's not just the police we mentioned in last week's episode insurance companies they're gonna go out of business mm. too. All these companies are gonna go out of business.
1: There's definitely some special interests at play there. Yeah, yeah. that aren't gonna want them to come out. And
0: supposedly we're we're driverless cars are supposed to be the standard by twenty twenty six. That ain't happening. Hmm. That's a bold
1: prediction. Yeah. We're gonna well, have I to mean, wait nine years to find out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but uh that's a really interesting idea that we didn't cover you know last time we talked about this on the show right that revenue so-called for illegit- illegitimate revenue from speeding tickets is the bread and butter of so many of these police departments oh sure and if they didn't have that what would they do
0: yeah absolutely i mean it's such an enlightening thing to finally see is that so much of the system so much of the government's legislative system all this stuff thrives on arbitrary laws and they are arbitrary how can the speed limit be the max speed limit be 65 in new york and then 85 or 75 or whatever in texas and florida mm. that doesn't make any sense well it just shows it's not about safety it's not and you don't go saying like well but the weather's better down there no 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 no, no. believe me you going Isn't faster montana
1: and wyoming there are some parts that has 75 and 85 Exactly.
0: But I mean, you know, you know I any mean, tires burn out in Florida? I used to live in Florida. They burn out all the time because of the heat. It, Don't it's forget it's the just love another bugs. extreme. There's no reason that it should be 75. You You're know, flying and
1: so into a cloud of love bugs. Yeah, oh,
0: that too. That <laughs> boy, that's a whole other science story. Maybe we'll tell that one sometime. Uh, but but that's my point is that all these systems they completely thrive off of arbitrariness that is inconsistent. You're not a criminal for going 80. You're not. No. No. (laughs) I mean, that's it.
1: All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Sex and Science Hour. Keep the
0: emails coming. We love it. Yeah, please do.
1: We'll try to put, (laughs) we love our listeners. We do. We'll try to put your emails on the show more regularly now. Be better about that. But um, yeah, let us know what you think. Show at SexandScienceHour.com is our email address. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) Goodbye. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour.
0: Game over. Play again next week.